All right. Good morning, and welcome to reInvent, and welcome to the session on Aurora. And uh, today's talk, we are going to talk about getting started with Aurora. So before I start, let's do a quick show of hand. How many of you have been to an Aurora presentation before? All right, not too many. So, and how many of you have used Aurora before? Actually, most people have used it before you have seen a talk, so that's good. And uh, so I'm the Banjan Saha, I'm the general manager of Amazon Aurora. I'm also delighted to have Linda Shu from Ticketmaster joining me here today. And uh, Linda is the principal architect in Ticketmaster. She has been working in databases for 20 years. And uh, she's so excited about Aurora, she tells me that she can go for another 20 without any problem. <laughs> so this is uh, the agenda for today. So first I'm going to talk about a little bit of history, how we started this project roughly about five years back, and take you through various different design tenets and how we have reimagined relational databases for the cloud. And then we are going to talk about the basic things that you need to know about Aurora, the differentiator, use cases, cost of ownership, all the good stuff. And then I'm going to hand over to Linda, and she's going to talk about Ticketmaster's experience with Aurora. And they have been an early adopter. They have been using that in many of their applications, and she has some wonderful things to share. So a bit of history. Uh, you know, we started this project about five years back, and we were looking at building a new relational database for the cloud. And when we were kind of doing our research at diving deep into it, one thing we realized that relational databases were designed in 1970s in IBM lab in California, and primarily for mainframe at that time. And if you look at the architecture, it actually fits well for a mainframe architecture. It's a monolithic stack with multiple layers with different functionality. You have a SQL processing layer, a transaction layer, a caching layer, a logging layer, but they're all part of a monolithic stack, which is what you would expect in a mainframe architecture. Now, in the last 20 years, not much has changed. Well, I mean, it looks different because what we have essentially done, that taken the same monolithic stack, created multiple instances using the same stack, and then created different types of clustering. So, for example, one thing which is very popular with database users is sharding. You partition your data, put them in different instances, and then you create a cluster, and the application essentially figures out which particular shard to go to, right? So the clustering actually happening, the coupling actually happening at the application layer. And then we have shared nothing clusters. For example, I would say Galera is an example of that, where the coupling is happening at the SQL layer. And then you have shared disk cluster, which is, you know, for example, Oracle Rack is a good example of that, where the coupling is actually happening at the storage layer and the caching layer, right? But one thing that hasn't changed in all of these, the stack is virtually the same. It's the same monolithic stack with different functionality at different layers. And we wanted to change that, change the architecture for the cloud era. And there are three things that we focused on, right? This is going to be a scale-out distributed design, like the way you expect to do in a cloud environment. Second, we wanted to have a service-oriented architecture. There are a lot of services which are already available in cloud, and we don't have to rebuild them. We can use them and you know, do faster development at the same time offer better services quickly. And the third thing that we want to do 
the database designers spend a lot of time, or database administrators spend a lot of time doing basic stuff. We wanted to automate them so that they can focus on things which are really important to them. So let's go into a little bit of detail here. So scale-out, distributed, fault-tolerant, multi-tenant architecture. What do we mean by that? So this is kind of a rough sketch of what an Aurora database looks like. And if you notice that we have taken the logging layer and the storage layer together and made it distributed, scale-out, and multi-tenant. So our storage layer is distributed across three different AZs, striped across hundreds, sometimes thousands of storage nodes. And it is a purpose-built storage layer where the interface between the database engine and the storage layer is not any standard storage protocol like iSCSI or Fiber Channel or NFS. It's a database interface. We send redo logs from the database engine to the storage layer, and which is essentially one of the fundamental innovations of what we have. So three things to notice here. We, you know, if you look at the storage volume, we take 10 gigabyte chunks out of that storage volume, and then we distribute that uh, across various different nodes, six copies of that we keep, two copies each in each availability zone. So it gives you both wide striping across hundreds of nodes. It gives you fault tolerance because there are six copies of them. And it gives you performance because the interface between the storage and database layer is really very thin redo log stream rather than standard storage protocols. The second thing that we're talking about, we are leveraging the cloud ecosystem, right? We are taking advantage of all the services that are available in the cloud today. For example, Aurora is integrated with Lambda. So you can issue a Lambda event or generate a Lambda event from a stored procedure or a trigger within Aurora. We use S3 extensively. We load data from S3. For example, you can put your data and your tables in S3 and you will get it into the database. We use S3 for our backup and snapshot. Right? We don't need to do, uh, do that ourselves. IAM, for example, we use uh, IAM roles to manage database access control. We use CloudWatch to upload systems metrics and audit logs. So these are all services that we take advantage of in order to build quickly and build better services. Third thing, you know, if you look at the life of a database administrator, what they really want to focus on is schema design, query construction, query optimization. But unfortunately, there are a lot of things that they have to do which are not core to what they want to do. So for example, uh, managing your failovers, doing backup and recovery, security and compliance, monitoring, routine maintenance and patching. So what we have done is that we have, had, we have automated all the functions that uh, database administrators or database users don't want to do and made it as a part of a managed service, and database administrators and users can focus on things that they really care about, which is schema design, query construction, query optimization, etc. So what does all of this lead to? So this is, in summary, what Amazon Aurora is today. It has the speed and availability of high-end commercial databases, like Oracle, SQL Server, etc., it has the simplicity and cost effectiveness of open source databases like MySQL. And by the way, it's drop-in compatible with MySQL, so you can take all your MySQL applications and move them as is without having to change a single line of code. It is a simple pay-as-you-go pricing model. 
and it's all delivered as a managed service. So how are we doing in terms of customer adoption? Now, like a proud parent, I always get, take this opportunity to tell everyone, this is the fastest growing service in the history of AWS. And you know, some of the customers who are our public references include Expedia, GE, NASDAQ, Ticketmaster, etc. There are, of course, many more customers who are using this, and we are working very hard to make them public references. Um, Aurora is used by two-thirds of the top 100 AWS customers. And just to re remind you, we have been out only for about 15 months. Of uh, top 10 gaming customers, eight are running their productions on, uh, on Aurora. And so who are these customers and what are the applications which are moving to Aurora? So I typically see two types of uh, use cases. There are customers who are using MySQL engines and they are moving to Aurora and it's actually kind of very simple. You get higher performance up to 5x, better availability, in fact, much better availability and durability, reduced cost in many cases, and I'll give you some examples of that. And it's very easy to migrate. There is no application change to do, and we have very simple way of migrating if you are using RDS MySQL or MySQL on EC2 or MySQL on-premise. And I also see customers using commercial engines moving to Aurora for a slightly different set of value proposition. The first of it is that it's, you know, one-tenth of the cost of commercial databases. And there is no licensing, right, which a lot of people who use commercial databases really hate. It's very well integrated into the cloud ecosystem, the AWS ecosystem. And it has comparable performance and availability, and in some cases better availability than commercial engines. And although the migration is not as simple as migrating from MySQL because Aurora is MySQL compatible, we have developed a whole set of migration tools and there are services provided by both AWS and our partners who can help with migration. So let's now dive into a little bit of details. So Aurora is fast. How fast? Up to 5x faster than MySQL. Um, so if you look at, you know, this is a sysbench performance runs on, this is a common benchmark used by a lot of people, both for read and write and comparison between MySQL 5.6 and 5.7. 5.7 is the latest version, by the way. Um, and if you compare the results, we get roughly about 120,000 writes per second using Sysbench on an R3.8XL, which has 32 cores and 244 gigabyte of memory uh, on Aurora. And you get roughly about one-fifth of that, uh, about little less than, uh, or about 20 to 25 uh, K writes per second on MySQL 5.6 and 5.7. Not much of a difference between 5.6 and 5.7, as you notice. If you look at read performance, we get about 600,000 reads per second. And if you compare MySQL, it's again about five times of what you see in MySQL. And this is all throughput numbers. By the way, you know, it's very easy to replicate this. We have a white paper that you can go and read and can run this experiment yourself. But as many will say that, you know, benchmarks are benchmarks. This is not real application workload. So, you know, tell me more. So we have done some scaling experiments, again, with you know, the same workload, but not as a benchmark. So what we have done is scale the number of connections, because that often is a problem with MySQL uh, and many other databases, for that matter. And, if you, and we scale the connections from 50 to 500 to 5,000, 
And as you can see, I'm not going to read through all the numbers, we get up to 5x better performance compared to MySQL. We scale the number of tables from 10 to 1,000 to 1,000 to 10,000. And in fact, there are customers who are running hundreds of thousands of tables for various applications on Aurora. And again, we compared Aurora with uh, MySQL running with EBS-backed volumes as well as MySQL running on local SSDs, and we get up to 11x better performance compared to MySQL. Then we increase the database size. So we started with 1 GB, 10 GB, 100 GB, up to 100 GB. In fact, more than 100 GB, it fits in the cache. The one terabyte experiment, by the way, that does not fit in the cache. So it's a memory-bound workload. And you can see that you know, with one terabyte, as you will expect, the performance number are lower. But if you compare with MySQL, again, we are much, much better in terms of performance. It was so much better that we thought that maybe there's something wrong with uh, our benchmark, so we tried a different benchmark, TPCC. And even with TPCC, and in fact, it is a much better performance in TPCC, both in memory bound, where the database size is 80 GB, and uh, storage bound, where database size is 800 GB. Now, it's not only our own benchmark. There are a lot of people who have reported better performance with Aurora. This is one of the gaming customers. Gaming, by the way, one area where people use Aurora a lot. And this is running their uh, application on an R3.4XL using multi-AZ, right? And as you can see, the, on the left-hand side is uh, the response time with MySQL. After that, they migrated over to Aurora. And the right-hand side is the response time with uh, Aurora. And it goes down, the response time goes down from 15 millisecond to 5 millisecond, roughly about 3x improvement. So, you know, there is a session on Aurora Deep Dive where we are actually going to explain what are the different things that we have done in order to improve performance. Here is kind of a little teaser from that. Uh, one of the things that makes us better is that we do less work. We do less I.O. And the reason we do less I.O. is that we are not using a traditional storage system. We are using a purpose-built storage system where we are not sending the dirty pages from the database engine to the storage node, we are just sending the redo log records, and we generate the data pages on the storage engine itself, right? And so this is an example of that. So what we, on the left-hand side, you have a MySQL with replica, and all the different types of writes that you need to do, the log writes, the bin log writes, the data, double write buffer, FRM files, etc. And the right-hand side is, you see what we do for Aurora, and it's only the log writes. There is one area where Aurora actually generates more traffic. That is because that we keep six copies of the data, right? So we are generating six different packets every time we write something, but we do a lot of optimizations there. But just to make things simple and quantify it, what we did is we ran Sysbench for half an hour on the MySQL one, and we ran Sysbench for half an hour on Aurora. Right, And I'm talking about on the MySQL side, just one write, the number one write that you have there. And in 30 minutes, we got 780K transaction, roughly about 7.4 IOs per transaction. In case of Aurora, in half an hour, we got 27 million transactions and roughly about 0.95 IO per transaction. And this is including, by the way, the six-way replication that we do. So you get 35x more performance 
and 7.7x less I.O. Of course, there are other things that we do, and, you know, uh, the deep dive session will explain some of the other techniques that we use. Uh, there are many other things that we have done since we first launched the service, both in terms of improving read performance, improving write performance, improving metadata access. I'm not going to get into all the details, but, uh, you know, um, there are a lot of literature available on that. So just to give you a couple of examples, so how do people use this better performance? One of the common use cases that I have seen that people take their multiple MySQL shards and consolidate them into a single Aurora instance, sometimes same size, sometimes larger in size. In this particular case, there is one of our customers who had 29 MySQL shards for various different applications they are running. They consolidated these 29 shards into a single Aurora R3.4x large, and that's still running at 30% utilization, so there is plenty of headroom to grow or consolidate even more. The one thing that surprised me is that there are some customers who are moving their NoSQL workload to Aurora, right? And there are two reasons for that. One is that, you know, it is a lot easier to use Aurora because it is a MySQL-compatible database compared to any NoSQL database because the interfaces and the, you know, the transaction characteristics are so different. What is also interesting, the people actually save money going to Aurora because the I.O. cost in Aurora is much lower. So there are a couple of things that happens in NoSQL, that if you have a large table, it gets partitioned, then your I.O. get partitioned across uh, all the, part the table partitions that you have. And then if you have one partition which is hot, then you essentially have to provision based on the I.O. requirement of that hot partition. In case of Aurora, we do automatic heat management, so we don't have this hot partition issue. And second, we don't charge based on provision I.O., it's only the I.O. that we use, and that actually saves a lot of money. In this particular case, this is you know, a big uh, social company, uh, interaction company, I cannot tell the name, is that they reduce their operational cost by 40% by moving from a NoSQL solution to Aurora. So let's talk a little bit about availability. I mean, performance only, ma only matters when your database is up. If it is not up, it doesn't really matter. So how we do in terms of availability. So uh, you know, one of the things that we have done, I talked about a little bit, is the six-way replication of storage that we do. So we keep six copies of data, two copies in each availability zone, which, by the way, is uh, a data center really in a metro area. And we do four out of six write column, meaning that we send our data to all six nodes. As soon as we hear back from four, we assume that the data is stable. And if for whatever reason the other two copies are either late or not happening at that time, we do a background peer-to-peer -peer replication between the storage nodes to catch up, right? Our read is three out of six read column. So what happened in this particular case that if you have a complete AZ down or complete data center going down, you still have full read and write availability. And if you have a three down situation, for example, two nodes and a disk down or um, you know, a data center down and another node in a different data center down, you still have full read availability. Right? Just as a data point, in the 15 years we have been operational, our storage availability has been 100%. So going to replicas, so we have a shared distributed storage architecture 
we also support up to 15 read replicas. And these read replicas could be distributed across three different availability zones. And we, they are, each of them can be promoted to master if master fails. We do automatic monitoring. And if the master fails, we automatically switch over to one of the read replicas. You can specify which order you want this switch over to happen. We also provide a read replica endpoint. So for example, if you have applications which are read only, you can send it to the read endpoint and we load balance or you can load balance across multiple read replicas behind that endpoint. Um, one thing I should mention about read replicas is that our replication protocol, unlike MySQL, does not use bin log. We use redo log for replication, which makes replication really, really light. And because of that, our lag between our read replica and master roughly about 10 milliseconds, compared to seconds, sometimes minutes, in case of MySQL. So people take advantage of this in you know, this particular use case, which I found interesting in uh, one of the customers in the travel and lodging industry. So they have the master where they keep their transactional data. When they need to run, for example, reporting or analytics, and they have 1,000 internal users who sometimes use that, they use the read replicas to do that. Right? The reason for doing that, that you can horizontally scale it, you can very quickly spin up more read replica if you need more support. And also, because the replica lag is so low that you are essentially doing analytics on real-time data. You don't have to move data from your transactional system to a data warehouse and then run your analytics there. Now, I talked about read replicas being promotable to master. It roughly takes about 15 seconds if you are using the MariaDB application driver. And if you are using any other standard driver, it takes about 35 to 40 seconds. So if you look at the failovers, what we really do, we spend some time doing failure detection. There is a monitoring fleet which monitors the heartbeats. And then it waits for the heartbeats happen every second. It waits for five heartbeats to be missed. And then it assumes that the master is dead. Then it starts a failover process. And the failover consists of you know, two different parallel uh, steps that we need to do. One is the database recovery. And second is the propagation of the C name, because you want to make sure that the applications know who the new master is without having to explicitly uh, logging into the new master. So the DNS propagation takes about 30 seconds. And the recovery time in Aurora is pretty much instantaneous. It takes from 5 to 10 seconds compared to you know, tens of seconds, sometimes minutes in case of MySQL. And when you use MariaDB driver, you really don't need to wait for the DNS propagation to happen. What the MariaDB driver does is that it goes and reads a system table either in the master or in one of the read replicas and knows the IP address of the current master, and it can bypass the DNS propagation time. So you can you know, do a failover in 15 seconds, which I believe is pretty amazing. We also support uh, cross-region read replicas. So you can create two Aurora cluster in two different regions and can set it up for your disaster recovery. Uh, if you have applications which are spread across multiple regions, this helps having your data close to your application. 
And if you're trying to do migration, you know, you can take advantage of cross-region replication also. There are some new availability features that we are working on. There are two things uh, specifically which are pretty exciting. One is uh, cross-region snapshot copy. Um, so you can, you know, this would be kind of one way of doing disaster recovery is that you can copy your snapshot every 10 minutes or every 10 hours, whatever uh, you are comfortable with, uh, to a different region. And instead of doing cross-region replication, this would be a cheaper way of doing disaster recovery. We are also going to have cross-account snapshot sharing. So one thing a lot of people uh, asked us to do is that you can copy your snapshot in a different account in a different region, and that protects you from natural disaster as well as inside threats. So let's talk a little bit about ease of use. So <clears throat> you know, one thing that people really like about Aurora is how easy storage management is. We support up to 64 terabyte storage volume. But you don't need to pre-provision anything. You start with a 10 gig volume, that is the default. And as you add more data, we automatically add more storage to it, all the way up to 64 terabytes. Right? We do continuous incremental backups. So you don't really need to worry about backup windows or taking backup. You can take as many snapshots as you want. And there is no performance impact from all of these because of the way we do it. Um, and we automatically do restriping, mirror repair, hotspot management, encryption, and all of these things. So it becomes com completely you know, a non-issue in terms of storage management. I have seen, in many cases, people are so worried about running out of storage in databases, they pre-provision three times the storage that they need. Right? You, don't need, to need you don't need to do that. And we charge only based on usage, so you are paying for only what you use. Uh, security and compliance. This is one area we focused heavily on. We do encryption at rest with customer managed keys. These are all encrypted with, uh, integrated with KMS, key management service. We can use your default KMS key and use that to encrypt your storage volume. We do encryption of cross-region replication and all data that is in transit using SSL. We have an advanced auditing and logging mechanism that is coming, which is not there yet, should be available in, the, um, in another couple of weeks. And uh, we have industry compliance uh, uh, for data protection. For example, we do SOC, ISO, PCI, DSS for financial industry. And we just got approved for HIPAA and BAA for healthcare industry. Monitoring. This is uh, one area where uh, we have spent a lot of time. There is, of course, a little bit more to do, I think. We have 50-plus system and OS-level metrics that we monitor at one-second granularity. So if you turn on advanced monitoring on your Aurora console, you can get advanced uh, this system and I.O. metrics at one-second granularity, which is much better than what you typically get from CloudWatch, which is one-minute granularity, I believe. Uh, you see a process list, and you can set, uh, you can send this to CloudWatch uh, uh, logs, and you can run your own monitoring uh, tool on the data that we generate. 
So there are a lot of third-party monitoring tools that we are integrated with, Datadog, for example, one example of that. And you can also set alarms and triggers on various different metrics. We worked very hard to make migration to Aurora very, very easy, right? And there are, you know, the, what tools that you use depends on where you are coming from and where you are hosting your database. For example, if you are running RDS MySQL, then it's very simple. You can actually go to the RDS console and you can, with a couple of clicks, you can either migrate a MySQL snapshot or a live database into Aurora. If you are running MySQL or any other MySQL variant like MariaDB or Parcona on EC2 or on-prem, you can use something like Parcona Extra Backup to take a snapshot, put that snapshot in S3 bucket, and we can do a binary ingestion of that snapshot into an Aurora instance. If you are running Oracle and SQL Server, either on EC2 or on-premise or even RDS, we have schema conversion tool and data migration, database migration tool that helps you migrate from Oracle and SQL Server, any other non-MySQL database into Aurora. Uh, in terms of MySQL and AWS ecosystem, one of the advantage we have since we are MySQL compatible, um, any MySQL ISV application pretty much runs on Aurora without uh, any change. All your MySQL code runs on Aurora without any change. We are also very well integrated with AWS ecosystem. I talked about that a little bit, but there are many other services which are very well integrated into Aurora. So you can take advantage of both the MySQL ecosystem and AWS ecosystem when you are using Aurora. Uh, this is actually a quick example we recently integrated with Lambda. So we can trigger Lambda event out of Aurora. And this is an example where you can create an event-driven data pipeline using Lambda. There are many examples like that. There is actually a session on Aurora best practices, and we are going to take you through some of these examples in that session. So everything is good in terms of uh, you know, feature function, etc. Does it actually save you money? This is what a lot of people ask me. You know, if you are comparing Aurora with a commercial database, there is, of course, no comparison. We are one-tenth the cost of Oracle, or SQL Server, for that matter. And um, what actually is surprising, that we are even cheaper than MySQL in many cases. And you will ask me how. Right? So this is an example of a MySQL configuration in RDS. So you have two primaries, uh, sorry, a primary and a second standby running in multi-AZ configuration attached to a storage volume, six terabyte each, 10K provision IOPS, and you have two read replicas. The cost of this solution, this is, by the way, based on uh, um, three-year RIs um, on an hourly basis. Total cost is $13.62 an hour, right? If you go to Aurora, these are the savings you can make. In our read replicas are promotable, right? You don't need an idle standby, which is not doing anything, just waiting for the failover to happen. So you can get rid of one instance. Second, it is a shared storage volume. You don't need multiple separate storage volume for your primary, your standby, your read replicas. One storage volume is enough. Third, 
you know, we generate lot less I.O. and we charge by used I.O., not provisioned I.O., so you save there. So the total savings out of all these three things in this particular configuration is roughly about 31%. Now, in many cases, because of the better performance, you can use a smaller version or smaller instance size. Sometimes you consolidate multiple databases into a single instance. And if you take that into consideration, in this particular example, it would be close to about 50% savings. And it's not just what, you know, we show. There are a lot of customers who have reported how they have saved money. Save software, for example, saved 40%, and Double Down Interactive saved 67%, and they are still seeing lower CPU utilization than they had with, uh, with MySQL. Um, one thing that I heard the request from a lot of people, R3.large was too expensive for depth test. So good news on that. We just announced T2.medium, which as you can see, roughly about 25% uh, or 30% of the price of R3.large. So we can use that for depth test. Um, there are a couple of other sessions that you might be interested in. There is a deep dive session on Thursday, where we are going to get into the details of many of the techniques that I was uh, talking about. There is an Aurora best practices session that is on Wednesday, uh, where we are going to talk about how to use Aurora, how to do migration, how to integrate with Lambda and other services, etc. That's on Wednesday. Also. That's on Wednesday, and there are two workshops or two options for this where we are going to talk about how to use Aurora in various different practical applications. If you have more questions, uh, your uh, very friendly Aurora team is here to help. Uh, and you know, feel free to send us emails. Uh, we are also here. So if you bump into us or want to set up some time, uh, please do so. Now with that, let me hand over to Linda to talk about how Ticketmaster is using Aurora. You're okay? Yeah. Thank you, Devanjin. Hello, everyone. My name is uh, Linda Shi, and uh, I'm principal architect from Ticketmaster. I have 20 years of database experience. And uh, I'm very happy to hear, to share the story about Ticketmaster using Aurora. So before I started, just to talk about our company. We are 40 years tech company. It was founded in 1976 um, in Arizona State University. And 20 years ago, in 1996, Ticketmaster.com launched. In 2010, Live Nation and Ticketmaster merged. And in 2013, we have all the innovation change happen to our company. We launched our resale platform, and we're starting to look at our 40 years technology and looking for convert them to um, more new modern technology. So, yeah, we make a lot of money. You see those numbers. And we are top five e-commerce side. I like this slide. So every 20 minutes in the world, there's a Live Nation event happens we power a lot of unforgettable moments of joy. I wish um, all of you being, have those kind of experience. And those are some of the digits um, coming from Live Nation side from last year. We actually, we sold 
465 million tickets last year. And we had 530 million fans hit our、uh, platform across 37 countries. We have 145 million customers in our database. And we have 21 million mobile apps downloaded last year. All those amazing numbers are powered by today, it's powered by our private cloud. It is,、uh, we have hundreds of Ticketmaster products running on those private clouds. And we have tens of thousands of servers. Most of them are virtual machines, and some of them are bare metal, some of the database run on bare metals. And we have multiple data centers, and we have over 100 databases. It's cross from MySQL, Oracle, MongoDB, Teradata, Microsoft SQL Server, Postgres, almost hitting all cut off like a relational database in the market. So here's our challenge. So last week is the Black Friday. I don't know how many people go to the Black Friday. So on sale, ticket on sale for Ticketmaster is a Black Friday. It's kind of Black Friday every day. We have huge spike in demand for tickets. We are a global company. We're running on multiple zones. So those spikes could be hit us at any time. We have limited inventory,、um, like Beyonce tickets or like last year,、uh, Adele tickets on sale. Um, we have multiple sales channels. So this is one of the pictures for our one of our on sale day. So you can see the traffic hit us. It could be getting from zero to 150 million transactions in minutes. Go on to the roof. So those are the big challenges to us today. It, those spike actually hitting from our front end, our proxy, our application server, cascade down to our database. So today in on-prem, we are heavily MySQL use case. About 1,000 database, more than half of them are MySQL. Those are the two typical MySQL setup to help us survive those on-sale traffic.、Um, one type one, you see that's active passive setup. We have multi data center. We have two data center. We set one replication tree as the primary usage for active application. And the other one mimic entire setup for the other one for the、um, standby to support failover. Type two is a gigantic four layer replication tree we set up to survive a lot of on sale traffic pattern. So when we found it out,、um, we, we saw the on sale was coming, we evaluate those capacity. Are we be able to survive for it? And we're adding more nodes. We're adding, adding more nodes to support it. So those are the challenges we face today. So first of all is the scalability. So in a typical setup, it takes about four hours or even longer to adding a more、uh, read replica today. And sometimes we hit a hardware limitation, so we have to wait for the purchase, all those things going through. This take, can be take weeks. So what ends to us is we build maximum capacity. All our maximum capacity built up to support those traffic you saw on the spike. We want us to survive the spike, and because scale is hard for us, and we stay with the maximum capacity. The other challenge for using MySQL is、um, replication lag.、Um, I've been in as a database、um, DBA for a long time. I've been asked a lot of engineers asking me, telling me how fast is MySQL replication. 
Um, this is really hard to answer. I can tell you it's fast, but I cannot control it. Because if you know MySQL, they're using Bing binary log replication. They actually replay all the transactions on the slaves. If you have multiple slaves, each slave play different speed. And also, it's single thread. So if your application throw out a big transaction, well, you don't know how long. It could be take two hours. It could be take minutes. It could be, I have uh, one nightmare um, um, support. It take eight hours to complete the whole transaction. And that cascade all to your slaves. So replication lag is a big challenge. And also, replication lag caused the read consistency issues. So you have application, you have read hitting any of the slave. In certain minutes, they be, they're probably getting different data copy because of the replication lag. The other challenge is our operation. So the previous picture I showed, this active passive setup. So when we have a failure, we want maintenance on one of the data center. The failover procedure is a manual procedure. We have get our multiple team on board. We have changed our application, point to the new uh, active node, and do manual failover. Sometimes it takes 30 minutes. Sometimes it takes longer. We have to ask a business um, for outage. So this is one of the challenge. Same, maintenance on multi-master setup. It goes through the same procedure. It's really hard. Version upgrade could be a nightmare to us, looking for our multi-tree replication. First of all, if you know MySQL, they have a lot of minor versions. We have our DBA team have to spend a lot of time to find it, which one is the stable one. Once you find that one, you have to plan the upgrade procedure. To finish the entire upgrade, it's a six-month six project today, or even could be longer. So all those things, and this is on the database challenge, and we have challenge on the other side. So at the beginning of the year, our company is starting to look at we want, we want a simplifier platform. We want simplifier platform so we be able to get autonomous product team. And so be able to, we can have, uh, deliver our products faster. And be able to deliver our product faster, we can be, provide better products and features to our customer. We can get more revenue and get more market share. So this is the reason Tikimas decided to move out from our private cloud, go to public cloud. And we do believe Amazon AWS can help us. And also, we move a lot of MySQL server to Aurora. Yeah, we're moving to cloud. So why we choose Aurora? Um, Debanger already goes through a lot of very good benefit of using Aurora. Here, I just highlight what that important to Ticketmaster. First of all, competitivity. Yes, we have a lot, a lot of products running MySQL today. Um, we found it out it's fully compatible for applications who are using MySQL 5.6. So for those products, when they decided to move Aurora, it's a minimal control cost for our engineering team. And also the migration is pretty easy. It goes through from uh, MySQL to using MySQL Aurora, which is the setup MySQL replication. And the conversion is pretty smoothly. We can set up a replication. It's two-way replication from Aurora cluster to our on-prem MySQL server. And when the application is ready, they can switch over. So that's very smooth. And also, we're also looking for some of our Oracle products moved to Aurora. And uh, by moving that, it's also 
pretty straightforward. We can use in data migration service and with the schema conversion tools. Second one, easy operation. Yeah, we love that, easy operation. So replication setup, Aurora cluster take care of it. You don't have to run change master to those kind of menu steps to set up your replication. Reader and writer endpoint, we really love it because we want to scale our database. If we're using MySQL RDS or MySQL EC2, we find it out we have to deal with the DNS as uh, row 53 ourselves. We have to come out those road robbing setup because when we're adding nodes, we have to tell our application we're adding more nodes. By using Aurora, they handle it for you. So nothing need to change on the Route 53 CNA. So beautiful. Um, tuned parameter. That's another thing we love. So my, people using MySQL, you know, there's a tons of the parameter you have to go through. Aurora, they, they provide the most tuned parameters. So we don't have to go through hundreds of parameters to find out what is the right one. We can use it, only change some of it, like character setting. You know you're using UTF-8 or what kind of collection setting you are. So we can focus on only the one we really care about. That's, that's a big hands-on for that one. Um, last one is the auto minor version upgrade. We don't have to do six months upgrade. It's a button click, and they, they handled auto uh, minor version upgrade, and the major one, button click upgrade, love it. Um, the third most important for us is the scalability. So I showed the traffic like Ticketmaster pattern, the, the traffic coming hit us and probably only lasts for one hour, it's gone. So today in our on-prem, maximum capacity we build. Most of the time it's sitting there idle, right? So with using Aurora, we be able to scale, we be able to scale quickly, and after traffic go, we can shrink back. So their vertical scale, by adding more CPU and memory, we can achieve that by change the instance type. Horizontal scale, those are the master things we love, because the storage, the special storage setup they have, every time you're adding extra nodes, the storage is there. So if you have a giant database, adding an extra read nodes, it's a time actually provisioning our instance. You don't have to do the copy of the data. In our testing, we, we do a stability testing uh, in-house running Aurora for one week. Uh, we do a multiple testing. We saw the adding nodes, the scale, is take about 10 minutes and it's completed. That's amazing. Storage, well, they do automatically handle for us. We don't have to put alert to monitoring, oh, well, storage is used out and it's 80%, we have to, any more space, no model thing, so it's automatically handled by Aurora. Beautiful. So our successful story, account manager. Account manager is one of uh, our Ticketmaster product. It's a content management system. They are handled, they support about 800 clients and uh, manage about uh, hundreds of thousands live event every day. They allow fans to be able to get on the site to um, looking for their tickets, print their tickets, sell their tickets, and transfer. So it's a very important um, product, and they complete the migration to Amazon in early August. They are using MySQL Server before they move to Amazon, so now they are migrate to Aurora. Um, after that, we have zero issues reported. 
in our production, we saw our replication lag is constantly around 20 milliseconds. Before migration, um, account manager used 12 MySQL server. And when we do migrate it, we start with the equivalency same size of Aurora, and they're using two Aurora cluster with five Aurora nodes. And the team now in the tuning procedure, we are very comfortable we can go down to smaller size um, of instance type of Aurora. Um, and also release time. So before we move to Aurora, the release time take about one to two hours to finish. And now, 20 minutes. Amazing. So, and also building a, a test environment in our private cloud environment, it probably take one weeks. You need multiple resources available. Right now, it's only take them 30 minutes from the app stacks to the database. 30 minutes, they can build up their testing environment, run tests, and destroy it. So that's amazing. And when they move to, um, from MySQL 5.6 to Aurora, they do zero code change, no code change. So it is fully compatible. We really love it. So here's the tools we're using. So Ticketmaster, when we go to Amazon, we, we manage everything in code. So infrastructure in code, including database. We provide a, a Terraform. We're using Terraform, which is open source Hashcup, open source tools to manage our infrastructure. And we do provide a Terraform format to be able to manage Aurora, we can scale our horizontally within 10 minutes, no downtime. And we can change our instance type to scale vertically. The cost is about roughly about 30, 30 seconds fell over. With that, our application actually debuted reconnect feature on their side. So they all, they'd be able to get reconnect within one minute. That means to us, if we want to scale database, scale up and down, totally transparent to business. No downtime, no impact. So we really love it. So yeah, that's all the story about Ticketmaster. So if, if you have a question, sir, we're hitting on Q&A. And by the way, we are, we are hiring. So if you are interested, please join us. Ticketmaster is moving to Amazon. We need a lot of people. So. <laughs> Have a Q&A or? All right. How do I stop it? Thank you very much.